only thing we have to fear is fear itself. <laughs> the National Weather Service has issued a severe thunderstorm warning. Welcome. Welcome. To the Common Sense Practical Prepper Podcast. Where prepping doesn't have to be complicated or expensive. Coming to you from a well-defended off-grid compound high in the mountains. (coughs) Coming to you from his Florida room in Richmond, Virginia. (coughs) Neither off-grid nor well-defended, unless you count as chickens and cats. Here is your host, Keith. Hello, everybody. This is Keith, and welcome back to the Common Sense Practical Prepper Podcast, episode 65. It's Super Bowl Sunday, February 11th, 2024. I will be watching the Super Bowl today. Not a big professional NFL fan, but like most people, I watch the Super Bowl for the commercials. So I will be watching the Super Bowl here in a couple hours. In the pregame, my son and I used to always joke, the pregame to the pregame to the pregame. I think kickoff is 6.30 p.m. East Coast time. The pregame to the pregame started at 11.30 a.m. So seven hours before kickoff is the all the stuff, all the stories, all the fluff, all the little bios about the players, the players' moms, what got them there, all sorts of stuff. So seven hours of pregame stuff. Absolutely amazing. So going over my show notes of what I was going to talk about today, and if I have time, I'll get to my conspiracy theory there at the end. So if you guys don't like conspiracy theories, you can always listen to music or, or turn the podcast off. But I had a bunch of show notes going together, and then I checked my emails. I got an email from uh, from a young man who was curious about portable generators, and I don't think I have spoken in detail about portable generators yet. I think I've spoken about solar generators from time to time, but I don't think I have spoken about traditional slash non-solar generators. Those generators that run on gas, propane, or natural gas. So we'll talk about solar generators at the very end. So let's talk about a portable solar generator as opposed to what here in the States, we call a whole house or a whole home generator. The whole home generator, and again, I'm not sponsored by anybody, so I'll throw out some brand names. I am not an electrician, so just take what I provide just as general information. If you want to work with electricity, please do your homework or hire a licensed electrician. There's my caveat. So a whole home generator, and here in the States, Generac, I think, is the the most common uh, company for whole home generators. When it comes to a generator of any sort, regardless portable, what it runs on, or if it's uh, a stationary whole home generator, I'm going to mess that up in a minute. You need to figure out how large of a generator you need. So for a whole home generator, hence the name, this generator should run. If you're, if you want to spec it this way, it will run your entire home just like it's running right now. 
Just like it's running in the winter, just like it's running in the summer when it's 100 degrees out. You got the air conditioning going on full blast. You got lights, kids at the PlayStation, you got laptops, microwave, fridge. Basically, it's as much power that you're going to use on any given day. So you would have it sized to how many watts or kilowatts. Oh, it's a 3.5, it's a 7, it's a 12. It's this big monster whole home generator that... I'm going to be able to flip a switch and nobody, nobody's going to even be the wiser that we're now running on the generator. Now, those can run on gas. Those can run on propane or liquid natural gas. They can run on any of the three major uh, fuel sources, just like your portable generators. Basically the same thing. The whole home generators are expensive, in, in my opinion, that a professional electrician needs to come and install these. A lot of lines, a lot of wires, and as far as the wiring, it needs to be hooked up to your main panel, and there'll be like a you know a, a sub panel to the side of it where that generator will go, and then you're able to either manually or automatically switch from the generator to run your home in case the power goes out. That's called a transfer switch, and I'll talk about those in a few minutes as well. So those are the most expensive. Now, that's not to say you can get a whole home generator and downsize it so it will run microwave, maybe the, you know, maybe the furnace, maybe the AC, the fridge, some lights. You don't have to get a whole home generator that will literally run every single appliance and light you have in your home. So if you're running right now and hit the microwave, crank the ceiling fans, crank the heat, crank the AC, and you're just grabbing all this power from the grid, you can size that if you want to do that with your whole home generator. If you don't, if it's a, let's say the power goes out, uh, bad storm, trees down in the area, you're going to be without power for several hours or several days. Do you want to be running all the ceiling fans? Do you want to have the ability to run every single thing in the house uninterrupted, just like nothing ever happened? Then you need to go with the big one. So you look at your essentials. Well, my fridge, my freezer, and let's say you have an extra freezer in the garage where all your food is kept, uh, long-term storage for frozen. You're like, well, I, I definitely want to run some lights, but not all of them. I'd really like to have the microwave for convenience sake, and they are a huge power draw. I definitely need my fridges, my freezers, and um, most of my outlets, half my outlets, all of my outlets. Maybe you're like, no, nah, I don't need the garage door opener. Um, I can just do it manually. And let's not, uh, you know, it's spring or it's fall. Let's not worry about the air conditioning or the heat right now. I just want something kind of middle of the road that if I need to, I can use the air conditioner, but knowing that I can't use the microwave at the same time. So if you downsize, if you have something that's not going to run every single thing in your home right then, you need to figure out what you want to run so you don't trip a bunch of breakers. Now, let's say you have one that's half the size that would run the entire house. So you have to make a decision. You flip on the air conditioner or the furnace and it's okay. Nobody turn on the microwave. Uh, nobody watch TV, turn off the big 85 you know, inch uh, TV. Kids stay off your laptops, unplug the PlayStation, unplug the modem, whatever it happens to be, because you're going to dedicate the majority of the power from this downsized whole, whole home generator to the AC. Now, if you flip on the microwave, you're going to throw a few breakers. Again, not the end of the world, but that's just something else you have to worry about. Now, as far as, as, far as deciding what to run and what not to run, you can just tell everybody, don't, you know, don't turn on the microwave, don't turn on the oven, 
don't do this until we have the house cooled down or warmed up. Or you can go to your main breaker, or you can go to the little sub panel and you can switch off because it all should be labeled. You should have the breakers, uh, living room lights, microwave, freezer, garage, uh, exterior lights, however you have it labeled or the electrician or when your home was built, how it was labeled. So you can go to the panel or the sub panel and you could uh, switch off the the breaker for the microwave. So someone doesn't automatically turn it on and yep, throwing a breaker. Again, these are things you would discuss with the folks installing the whole home generator, regardless of the size. And it really just depends on what you want, what you think you're going to need at the time and how much money you have to spend. So if you're in an area that is really, really cold in the summer and really, really Oh, cold in the summer, really, really hot in the summer and really, really cold in the winter, you might want to get the larger of the two. Because if it's snowing and there's an ice storm and you lose power, it would really suck if your generator, your whole home generator would not be able to run your furnace. Vice versa, you're in Florida, hurricane comes through. It's 95 degrees and the humidity is even worse. Do you want or do you want the ability to run your HVAC, your, your air conditioner for the house? I would say yes. If that's a cost that you don't want to incur, or if it's a situation where we'll be fine without the AC for two, three, four days, then I think you've just saved yourself a lot of money. So anyway, that's the whole home generator. It sits off to the side. It's got a fancy little cover on it. You drive through your neighborhood, you'll probably see a couple of them here and there, and they are really, really nice. Some come on automatically if you lose power, and some you have to manually switch over. The cool thing a lot about a lot of generators and the, the, the more expensive, the more, the more little gadgets and gizmos they have, there are some generators that switch over automatically. They switch over so quickly that if you have your laptop on or the TV or your Xbox and it switches, it switches fast enough that you're still going to maintain connectivity electrically. So the TV's not going to flicker, your computer's not going to reboot, or your PlayStation's uh, not going to go blank. That is a feature that they have. Now, for me, that wouldn't be, you know, like the the, the be in, end all to be all, however that expression, end all to be all, however that expression goes, that wouldn't be the deciding factor for me. I would I would look towards, you know, how much, how much wattage it pulls, um, the, the different types of, of features that it has, as opposed to, is it quick enough not to interrupt my work on the laptop? I, you know, I'm really not too worried about that. So that's a feature that I would not necessarily be interested in. Okay. Let's jump over to portable generators. So portable generators, and they come in all different shapes and sizes. I have a Furman F I R M A N primarily because I did my research and I found it on sale. And folks, if you're waiting to purchase one of these, and really everybody, in my opinion, everybody should have some sort of backup power or someplace to go in the event you do lose power. However, if you can wait till Black Friday, Cyber Monday, that sort of thing, I would keep an eye on Home Depot, Lowe's, your major hardware box stores, I guess, or Amazon, Costco, Sam's Club. They all have specials on these. And just keep an eye out. If you don't have to have one today, just keep checking back and forth. The one that I purchased was the Furman, and it, I believe it's the 9,000-watt generator, and it's a tri-fuel. So it runs on gas, it runs on propane, 
and it runs on natural gas. Now, propane and natural gas are two different fuel sources. I know some people might want to interchange them, but really they're two different types of fuel sources and they do different things. So we have gas, liquid propane gas, I'll just call it propane or natural gas. Now, when you're looking at a portable generator, the first thing it's going to say is Furman 7,500 watt generator, either single fuel gas, dual fuel, or tri-fuel. Now, the tri-fuel isn't really that much more expensive, in my opinion, than just the gas. Now, why tri-fuel? Well, it gives you options. My tri-fuel, I can take the cylinder from my Blackstone grill and I get the adapter and I can run my generator from the gas grill, the five-pound bottle that sits under my grill. Or is it gallon? I always get that confused too. The propane, I, can't, I, keep, I keep getting them confused. So if, I, if the cylinder underneath your grill, is it a five-pound or does it hold five gallons? So I'm going to say five gallons, and I'm probably... I probably got it wrong. So I'll just, I'll just go with gallons. Somebody correct me. If you're like, oh, this guy doesn't know what he's talking about. Gallons from pounds. So I'm going to go with gallons. So it's a five gallon cylinder and I run my generator off that. So you're like, all right, 7,500 Watts. Whoa, that's a lot. 7,500. That's a big number. That's going to run half the neighborhood. This is where you have to pay attention on these generators. You have what's called running Watts. Just as it's just plugging along how much of a load you can put on that generator. A 7,500 watt generator, it's running wattage on gas is 7,500 watts. Propane is 6,750 watts, not as efficient. Natural gas drops down to 5,500 watts. So you need to know, again, what you want to run, how often you want to run it, and if you want to run several things together. So 7,500 watts gas with this Furman 7,500 watt generator and 6,750 with propane and 5,500, which natural gas. So if you're running it on natural gas, you can't run a 6,000 watt load, a six kilowatt load. It's not going to let you run that. Let's look at running watts versus starting watts. Your microwaves, fridge, freezers, and especially your, your furnace and your HVAC, your AC unit, takes a tremendous amount of electricity of watts to, let's just say, to jumpstart. When you turn on your AC in your house, you'll hear it, and sometimes a light will dim, it's boom, and you'll hear this thing come on. Same with your furnace, microwave. It's a huge blast of energy. It's a huge draw of electricity. So now you need to talk about starting watts. For this particular 7,500 watt generator, it doesn't run or it starts with gas at 11,400 watts. So if you have something, a large HVAC unit, large AC unit that takes nine or 10,000 watts to, to come on, you need to look at your starting watts. So 11,400 for gas for this particular generator, propane, 10,400 and natural gas, 8,650. If you're running your generator, if it's hooked up to that five, five gallon bottle and it runs at 5,500, but your air conditioner takes 9,000 to start, it's not going to start it. 
because it only puts out 8650. Now, running, let's say your AC and the microwave, let's say the running load for these four or five things you've got plugged in, let's say it's 6,000 watts. You're running up short with natural gas because it's 5,500. That's not going to cut it. That's why it's very important to make sure you size the generator for the, the items and for the loads that you're going to put on it. So you see 7,500, oh, 7,500, that's great. But then that's your running watts. Just make sure how much wattage your microwave, the freezer, especially your HVAC or your furnace, how much that draws. And you can find that that should be on it. That should be in the uh, literature that came with it. I don't know if it's on like a little sticker on the outside unit or maybe the air handling unit, wherever that happens to be for that, uh, for that HVAC. So just keep that in mind. Just, just understand that 7,500 Watts. Ooh, that sounds great, but that's not starting. That's running. And if you want to have a tri-fuel, it just gives you options. But then again, just remember that propane is less efficient than gas and natural gas is uh, the least efficient of the three. So again, for the 7,500, it's 7,500 gas, 6,750 propane and 5,500 natural gas running. So make sure you size it correctly. I don't want someone to go out and spend six, seven, eight hundred, eleven hundred dollars on something and get it home and go, holy cow, I just realized this isn't going to run my AC or I'm not going to be able to start my air conditioner with this. Now, a small side note, there are items that you can add that's called like a soft start. It's an item, it's it's a physical it's a physical piece of hardware that's added to your, your furnace or your HVAC that it's what's called a soft start. So it draws the power up slowly and then for lack of a better term, dumps it kind of, kind of like it winds it up. It stores all this power and then it goes pow. Uh, well, let's hope it doesn't go pow because if your air conditioner goes pow, then you've got a problem, but it would allow you to not have that initial draw. So again, if that's something you need, you need to look into, make sure you speak with a licensed electrician because now you're just adding more wires and something else potentially, you know, that can go wrong and be very careful about running your load near the max. So if I have a 7,500 watt generator running on gas, I'm not going to run 7,000 Watts. I'm not going to run 65. I'm going to keep it a little bit lower if I can and just rotate off and on. All right. So these, this fridge is going to go, all right, go ahead and use the microwave for a while. Let's go ahead and uh, unplug the fridge, unplug the freezer. Hey everybody, let's turn off a few lights. Let's turn off the ceiling fans. Hey, can we give the TV a rest? I want to go ahead and, uh, and, and give the generator a rest along those same lines. Give your generator a rest. Okay. Your fridge and your freezer, it, it's not going to spoil in 45 minutes. It's not going to spoil in an hour, two, three. If you keep the refrigerator door closed and the freezer closed, it will go several hours, even longer than that before you see a significant temperature drop. So if you need to turn off the fridge, hit the breaker, then certainly do that. Now, when it comes to connecting any generator to your home, and we'll talk about the portable generators because the email specifically asked about that, you can do it a couple different ways. Currently, I have a lot of extension cords and a lot of power strips that can be grounded and have breakers on them. And they're certainly rated for large loads. Now, it probably doesn't look very good, but I'll have the generator in the backyard 
and I'll have, I don't know, two or three extension cords running, and then I'll branch them off. Now, I'm certainly not going to run my whole house on the portable generator. I'm not looking to do that. So I'm looking for some lights. I'm looking for my fridge and my freezer. Not really worried about my my uh, my cable modem and my TV. And I'm going to run some lights. Now, it's going to look pretty bad. I got a you know extension cord coming through the garage window. But you know, it's all about how long you think you're going to need it for. Whole home generators, you flip that switch and it's like nothing happened. Very, very quiet and there's no ugly extension cords. But that's what I'm going with initially. You can get what's called a transfer switch or you can get a, a box and a plug on the outside of your home. Now, again, I'm getting a little deep in the weeds, but you can have a 30 amp plug that the generator plugs into or a 50 amp plug. A lot of your larger generators will have both a 30 amp outlet and a 50 amp outlet. So your 50 amp is going to run 240 and your 30 amp is going to run 120. Now 120 will not run, I'm going to go out on a limb, will not run most furnaces and air conditioners here in the States. Your 120 run your fridge, probably your microwave, be careful about that, your lights, your TV and all that. So you can have that plugged in instead of all the extension cords. Now from there, on the back side of the plug that's on the side of the house, it's going to run, it can potentially run straight to your main panel, your electrical panel in your home. Electricians can tie that directly into both legs. When I say legs, if you open up the box on your electrical panel, one side, you see like one row on the left, one row on the right. Those are the legs, left and right. Something that runs 240 is going to need, need both legs, 120 just one. So depending on how your electrical panel is set up, you need to figure out what the important things to be you're going you're gonna to run. If you're having a new home built, be cognizant of that and make sure, let's say you have all the lights on one side, on one leg, and then maybe you'll have things on the other side, but knowing that you're going to have a generator hooked up to it. And on the left leg, you're going to make sure, you know, that's the 120, let's say that's 120. You're going to be able to, to run all those just putting 120 into the panel as opposed to 240. But then again, that's for the electricians, you know, in the, in the home builders to worry about, depending on how you want to set it up. A transfer switch, it can be automatic or it can be manual. So a transfer switch is when the power goes out, if it's automatic, you really don't even notice and you, you instantly have power again with the generator. Your portable generators, a lot of those have that option. It will kick on. Those are the more expensive kind. It will kick on when it senses no power from the grid. The manual version, it's kind of a, lock, a lockout switch, you can always call it. So what you're basically telling the grid that's down, hey, I'm going to now run my generator and run my house. So this lockout switch, whatever you want to call it, is actually a physical piece of metal. It's like on a little like a little track, you move it up and over. And what it does is it cuts off the ability for you to switch back to the grid. What that, what that it does not allow for like for you to backfeed the grid. Backfeeding the grid is illegal in most states and dangerous in every state. When your power is down and the, the, the linemen are working, you know, 50 feet or 500 yards from your home, there's no power in the lines if, if, you ha if you're without power. If you were to backfeed the grid, you're telling your generator, hey, run this stuff 
And if you have not isolated it from the grid, you're sending electricity back through those lines where potentially a lineman is, is working on the line several yards or half mile down the road. Extremely, extremely dangerous. That's why it's very important if you're going to tie a generator to your main panel and then to, to kick on when the grid goes down, please make sure a licensed professional electrician is doing that and you know how to operate that. You do not under any circumstances want to backfeed the grid because you will you'll kill somebody. You could absolutely electrocute somebody up the line and nobody wants that to happen. So you can manually, you know, move the little switch over so it, it blocks out the 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 main breaker. And then what you do is you fire up the generator. So now it's basically going nowhere. And then you physically turn on what you want to turn on. So, oh, there's on the left, there's my lights, kitchen lights, click, living room lights, click, Florida room sockets or plugs, click. These, you know, all of these are in the living room. Here's the TV, uh, fridge, freezer, microwave, click, click, click. So you put, you turn on what you want to run at that particular time. The generator goes and it, it's supplying the power. And as long as you're not asking the generator to supply more wattage than it can give you, you're good to go. When it comes to, I mentioned a few minutes ago, give your generator a rest, okay? The larger generators are loud. They produce a lot of heat. And just be mindful of that, that this is something you need to rely on. You always you need to change the oil on the larger generators. Now, you have some really small ones that aren't going to run a lot, if anything. They might be run, large enough to run a fridge, a freezer. It won't run the microwave. The cool thing about the smaller ones, they're very, very quiet. They're very, very fuel efficient. And some of the smaller ones do have a, a, a dual fuel option, like a, a propane gas. But the most of the small ones just run on gas. Now, Honda, and again, I'm, I'm not sponsored by Honda. The Honda generators are super, super quiet, like 40, 50, 60 decibels. That's really not that bad. A lot of people, when they go camping, will have a small generator or you go to farmer's markets or flea markets, that sort of thing. If somebody needs to run power to a laptop or their credit card machine, they'll have a, a small two or 300 watt generator 30, 40 feet away from the table, maybe behind the car or behind a tree, and you don't even realize that it's on. So again, it, it just depends on what you want to run. When it comes to the large generators that are very loud, they make generator sheds or generator boxes. Now, basically, these are your yard boxes where you can put your tools and your hose and that sort of Rubbermaid makes a very large box, like call it maybe a pool box. People put their cushions and their floaty toys. Those also fit generators. So it's kind of out of the way. You can't see it, but when you run it, just be very, very mindful that it gets hot, especially in the summer. You want to prop the top open. You can always install a little exhaust fan or uh, you put a little vent fan on the side. You can put some noise dampening things on the side and the top, a little bit of heat shield, noise dampening, and it keeps the noise down and it absorbs some of the heat. But just make sure if you have a generator in a little shed or a little box, just make sure that it's not uh, closed in enough. Make sure it gets plenty of air because you don't want to ruin your generator because it wasn't it wasn't ventilated enough. When it comes to generators and generator safety, please be mindful that generators get stolen all the time. Like I said, I was a police officer for a long time, and when we had Hurricane Katrina 
and Tropical Storm, Gaston came through. Tens of thousands of people in my area were without power. You would be surprised or maybe not surprised on how many generators went missing in the middle of the night. Sometimes people noticed them. Sometimes people woke up a few hours later. Hey, wait a second. Did my, did my generator run out of gas? I thought I filled up the tank before we went to bed. Oh, crap. Somebody took my generator. People will steal anything, even if it's nailed down. So you might want to put a, a very heavy chain on it. You might want to put a lock on it, security camera, whatever you need to do. But just be mindful that people in situations like this, they will absolutely steal your generator because they're like 90% of the people out there. They're not going to be prepared for any type of short-term, let alone a long-term grid down situation. So they're going to be looking for power. I'll talk briefly about an inverter generator. So there is, that is an animal. It's an inverter generator. A couple, I guess, pros to that. An inverter generator ramps up to the load that it, it the only puts out only enough watts as as it needs for the load. So if you have a 1,000 watt, it's 1,000 watt running inverter generator, and you plug in a 300 watt load, it's only going to push out 300 watts. You plug in something else, you turn on something else. Oh, I need another 150. It's going to kick it up, be a little bit louder, but it's only going to give you what you're asking it to give out. Whereas my 7,500 running watt generator, 7,500 watts, whether you want it or not, plug in more stuff, turn on more stuff, and it'll tell you when you hit 7,500 or you exceed 7,500. So your inverter generators are more expensive. They do uh, run, they're more fuel efficient. So if uh, fuel efficiency is a problem, if you don't have access to a lot of fuel, to a lot of, let's just say gas, and they, and they make dual fuel as well. So let's say you don't have access to a lot of gas. Let's say you can't get out of your neighborhood. You're, you don't have somebody, somebody that can bring you gas and you only have, let's say two five gallon jerry cans, emergency gas in the garage. Well, then you might not, one, run the big generator as often as you'd like, but if you have the small inverter generator, it's a little more fuel efficient and you're going to get more bang for your buck in that way. You won't be wasting the wattage, I guess, that your larger generators uh, would do. So it's a little quieter, less emissions if you're worried about your carbon footprint. But again, in a uh, SHTF situation, grid down situation, I'm not too worried about the amount of carbon that I happen to be throwing out at the time. That is a very... Very down and dirty, a very Reader's Digest version of portable generators, whole home generators. I'm going to have to skip my conspiracy theory part and do that at a different time. I'm already at 33 minutes before I edit this down. But hey, folks, thanks so much. I really appreciate the email because this is something that I, I don't think I've spoken about in a lot of detail. So thank you to the young man who sent me that email. I hope uh, this has helped a little bit. If uh, you have any questions or if anybody out there has any additional questions, any show topics, things you want me to talk about, please feel free. Drop me an email at practicalpreppodcast at gmail.com. I'm also on the Twitters, prep underscore podcast. You can always search practical prepper podcast. And before I leave, I want to tell everybody that I'm taking delivery of a K truck, a Japanese minivan. It, well, mini minivan. It's a KEI. So look them up. Uh, they are becoming very, very popular in the United States. So K trucks or K vans are becoming very, very popular. Uh, I'll tell you all about that on the next podcast. I should be taking delivery in the next week or 10 days. So everybody enjoy the Super Bowl. Root for Taylor Swift, <laughs> whoever you want to win the game. Hey, folks, as always, please be careful out there. Take care of one another. And until next time. 
Thanks for listening to the Common Sense Practical Prepper Podcast. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. While you're at it, help spread the word by leaving a rating and review.